new book. It's called Turn It Up, My Time Making Hit Records in the Glory Days of Rock Music. I got it right here. Yeah. All right. So I'm reading this right now. I haven't got all the way to the end, but okay. I am enjoying it. Good. Um, why did you want to do the book? Well, probably uh, at the root of it all was uh, that I wanted to explain to people why they should love the music that I love <laughs> and, and the music of the classic rock era, which is over. You know, it, for me, it was a defined finite uh, period, but it was, um, you know, the most glorious uh, um, creative avalanche of of music that, that I could imagine in that century. Um, also, I, um, you know, I, I discovered that uh, with an increasing number of podcasts, that a lot of people who who did not listen to uh, we didn't listen to our parents' music very much. They, younger kids and 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 middle aged people, grew up with um, a family who listened to classic rock. And uh, I I finally uh, I was I was cruising the internet once and I I found a very critical uh, review on a blog and it was a review of me and, and it wasn't about my music it was about me and and I had never met the guy and he was fairly critical and you know it's it's as if it was hearsay and um it was it it was really not uh, not at all complimentary so I uh, contacted the editor of the blog and I said, can I defend myself? He said, sure, we'd love that. So I wrote a defense and I eviscerated the guy, I think, and the readers loved it. And he said, would you write more for us? So I wrote 18 episodes, um, which basically, you know, um, told about my career, how I got into music, how I couldn't avoid getting into music. And um, that became the the kind of the skeleton of the book. And, and then I would write, I enjoyed writing it so much that I filled it in with, with more detail and, and, and just kind of slotted those pieces of writing in chronologically. And, um, and there was the book that, you know, I, I did one podcast that had over a hundred thousand hits and that really told me that, there was an audience out there, a big audience. Whole families have grown up listening to classic rock. And um, you know, I saw I saw a teenage girl in the gym with an Iron Maiden t-shirt, and I asked her how she knew about them because she wasn't born. And um, you know, she said, Well, my dad, you know, and and that's what that's what's happened. And 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 there are people who who know and love classic rock from the age of uh, 15 to 80. Well, because it was great. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 everything, uh, the evolution of rock music in that time, you know, from Elvis through the Beatles into the, uh, into the 70s and 80s, was astonishing. Um, 
you know, uh, every every um, every artist seemed to have taken something from the artists before him and moved and moved the goalposts a little bit musically. Um, it, it, you know, it, it it's just great, especially in uh, contrast to today's music, which uh, you know, obviously, uh, I don't think very much of. Um, and yes, I'm old, and no, I do not seek it out new music. But I walk into uh, you know CVS or I walk into a supermarket and I hear what they're playing, and I I just want to leave. I mean the the perfection, the 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 vocals. How many notes can I get into this one measure? And 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 the the perfection and the repetition and you know it just doesn't. It's, it's not like it was. Yeah, that's interesting. You say the perfection. Do you think it's too perfect now? Absolutely. Yeah. Because they'll take it's. It's quite easy to hear that they'll take a single snare hit, you know, a snare drum hit, and they'll make it the same. Every every single snare drum hit will be that hit. Mm-hmm. They'll just sample it and repeat it, repeat it, and repeat it. All the bo- the backing vocals are repeated, and the and the screams and the yips and the yaps, and it's yeah. uh, you know auto tuned and 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 uh, everything is perfected, and everything is uh, many things are computer generated, mm-hmm. and you know if if you heard a mistake in in a Stones uh, uh, recording, and, and there were many. Um, you could you, 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 the listener could actually see uh, the player, you know, mm-hmm. and m- making the mistake. W- what can today's listeners envision? Yeah, when they, when they hear the music, we listened to the music. The the, the people who make the music today, uh, as far as I I can tell, look at it. It, it, yeah. It's on a screen. It's got you know like a little graph. They can take this section and move it to here. Uh, it's all digital. It's all perfect, and it doesn't have soul. It it, it doesn't breathe. Um, yeah, there's no character. You know, I have I have a four hour playlist that I take with me to the gym. It's very inspiring. Some songs I've been listening to for forty years, they still work for me. Um, I did sample a modern uh playlist that a young friend of mine made uh, actually the son of a friend of mine and uh it was quite good initially but after a few weeks it you know it, it failed to make me run faster and lift off more weights it got old fast it did it did yeah. you know it, it just stopped inspiring me and inspiration is what you know, what makes great music. Yeah. Yeah. I work at a, a, a retro store part-time and we sell, you know, band t-shirts and, and you know, from the eighties and seventies and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, uh, parents come in with their kids that are like 10 years old, 12 years old. And the kids are picking out these guns and roses shirts, the Motley Crue shirts. Right. And, uh, the parents tell me the story, how they, the kids got into it and how much they're into it. And I always tell them you're raising them right. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. They are. They are. I, I, I have to assume that people prefer it to, to, to what they're being offered today. I know there's good music out there. I haven't 
I haven't looked for it. Um, but what happened to the guitar? You know, there's there ain't much left of that. And you know, I I, I think things started to uh, probably change at the end of the the last century. For me, they started to change in 1989. You know, Nirvana, Nirvana, Beastie Boys, uh, when they when they not only didn't think that perfection was important, they avoided it, you know, because perfection was corporate. And, what and what did you think of Nirvana when you first heard them? I thought they were great. Yeah. Okay. But but they were great. And then later on, many of the bands that they paved the way for, I didn't think were that great. I did not relate to emotionally to um Pearl Jam, for instance, and everyone loves them. Um, I didn't think Eddie Vedder's um, melodies were, I, I thought they were kind of all the same. There was all this angst and all this, uh, I, it, it just didn't do it for me. And obviously I was out because no, no, you know, self-righteous uh, Seattle band would be caught dead in the studio with a guy who produced Motley Crue or Twisted Sister. It, it, that would have destroyed their street credibility, I, I think. And so I saw the writing on the wall. And um, by the end of that, the decade of the 90s, I was out. I, I, I thought that anyone who was 55 probably shouldn't be making records for teenagers. That's interesting, and, uh, though, because, I mean, if you can put together a good song, what's the matter? Well, yeah, but I I, I didn't like, you know, I was offered projects that were good, but not not really as meaty as as I had been doing in the in the in the last two decades before that. Um, I. I didn't think that I was capable of uh, doing a really good production job with the the new bands, the the grunge bands, the uh, punk bands. The you know as 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 soon as uh, as as Nevermind came out, really that 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 was it. And in the book, I mentioned that I that I I stopped at my daughter's, my fifteen year old daughter's. Um, doorway uh, to her bedroom when she was listening to uh, "You Got to Fight for Your Rights," you know, by the by, by the Beasties, and I said, "How can you listen to that? It sounds, sounds like it was made in in fifteen minutes." And she said, "Yeah, probably was." <laughs> oh no, <laughs> everything I know is wrong. So yeah, yeah. That was was, this, was writing the book challenging task for you? Like, was it hard to remember things or? Were there some things you did you wanted to put in there, but you were didn't want to hurt someone's feelings? You know, did you go through that whole emotion? I tried to take the high road. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I I didn't leave too much out. Um, you know, in in terms of value for the reader, but I enjoyed. You know, I I can write. I've written uh, all my life. You know, a, a lot of letters and a few a few columns and and for this blog. Um, I enjoyed it a lot and I did not do the professional thing. I, 
you know, the pros seem to say, well, I, you know, I get up at six, I have two strong cups of coffee, and then I pound out 10 pages, regardless of whether I feel like it or not. I didn't, I didn't do that. If I felt like doing it, I did. And then maybe I would lay off for a month. It took me three years to get it into book form, you know, but I enjoy writing. And I, 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 I kind of like the fact that, um, there's a, an element of surprise in the feedback I've been getting as if people are saying, wow, uh, a hard rock record producer can write a sentence. Uh, you know, it was like I think they're a little, they're a little surprised and 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 delighted. Yeah, you know, well, I love the book. I think it's very informative. Uh, you know, with kind of behind the scenes type stuff in the music industry. You know, you're coming up, um, and then I'm just yeah. getting into the bands now. That's kind of where I'm at in the book. Right, um, right. But yeah, I I think it's a great read. Good. Thanks. People say it's an easy read and they start it, yeah, it is. and they finish it very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, the only thing that holds me back is the kids. <laughs> it's hard to read sometimes around this house. Oh, oh, the kids. The kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of remember. Yeah. yeah. My firstborn is now 51. So <laughs> well, I could be your son. That's how old I am. Right. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk um, producing a little bit because you are a music producer. So um, let me ask you this. Do you have to be, do you have to like the band to be a good producer? It really helps. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're just taking something that you don't like and trying to make it likable. Um, you have to be a fan. Uh, it really helps if you're a fan of the band or the artist. Um, because you can, you know, you, you, you try to join the band for the, the time you're in the studio. Um, sometimes I, I even uh, did, you know, performed a little bit and maybe I would sing in a, in a backing chorus. I did all the, um, uh, percussion on all my albums. Um, you, you want to have fun. A, a producer is supposed to you know, forget about his own likes and dislikes and simply help the band to realize its musical vision. But really, when you're in there every day, all day, listening to songs that you you really need to like them in order in order to uh, help improve them. Um, if you start with a band that doesn't, you know, move you, then really what you're doing is 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 taking something bad as far as you're concerned taking something bad and making it reasonable or likable but if you start you know in in the positive side if you start and you're passionate about about the demo that you get you can see you know it it just stimulates your the ideas and 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 you can rearrange and you can add a keyboard and you can you know you do what a producer is is supposed to do otherwise it's no fun yeah have you ever been uh ha had to produce a band that you realized that you did not enjoy it well i i <sighs> Cheap Trick was the best. 
in, in terms of, okay. I enjoyed a lot of my, uh, a lot of albums uh, that I did, a lot of bands that I work with, but uh, they're, they're, they were the easiest by far and the most enjoyable. Twisted Sister was difficult, challenging. Um, the whole band or one, or just deep? Uh, mainly, well, well, it was, it, it, it was tough. JJ French is, is a, is a great guy. Um, but I had, I, I, it took me three days to get a rhythm guitar sound on him. And that was, uh, absolutely, um, phenomenal. I mean, you would normally take an hour. Just uh, to dial in the sound. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, three days. Okay. We had a parade of amps, a parade of guitars, a parade of microphones. And it took, you know, it was on the third day that we uh we we finally got got a a, a decent rhythm guitar sound for him um uh, that it it was tough and then of course you know there was the aftermath with uh with uh, snyder um, yeah that's been widely publicized everyone can check that out really, <laughs> really uh you know it, it was mind-blowing to me i i said where did this come from how how did this happen because he was you know he he was uh, fine right up to the minute we walked out of the studio and and then it was i don't know it's it's too late it's too late now and and i and i don't care anymore yeah you know let him let him he has to grumble so let him yeah. grumble well that was one heck of a record i'll yeah. say that and yeah. i'll tell you when they re-recorded still hungry i they did it wasn't it wasn't there for me did well, you hear I, it? I never heard it. No, you should listen well, to it. Yeah. Yeah, just check it out. Yeah. Well, a <laughs> lot not, of the, right? you know, a lot of the bands I, I work with would probably have preferred to come off harder, louder, you know, rougher. Um, but I'm a pop guy. And, 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 and that's what I that's that's one of the reasons I was able to to get um, hit singles, uh, make hit singles, uh, uh, and get them on the radio on AM radio. Cause it was all AM and FM, you know, and, and FM was all album play. AM was all hit singles. And if you could have a hit single, you could sell two or 3 million albums behind that single. And, and I was a staff producer, you know, for 12, well, for the last seven of 12 years for Epic Records. And that was my job. Let's get radio play. If you make a record, it doesn't matter, um, you know, if it's great, if no one hears it. So you have to make records for the market. And that's what that's what I tried to do. When you say staff producer, you're just with Epic Records. Is that correct? Yeah. I, you know, I... I was a talent scout, but then I moved into the studio. So I wound up producing 13, 13 records, I think, for Ted Nugent, Cheap Trick, and Molly Hatchet. Uh, and they were all big hits. And 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 so I left uh, eventually. You know, I, I left CBS because they weren't paying me very much. That My job description was... You know, I was there. They owned me. I got a salary, and they gave me a little, a little pittance for, a, for a bonus for selling eight million Ted Nugent records. I got a nickel, a record. 
you know, it was nice back then. And yeah, all of a sudden, was a nickel a good amount back then or no? Well, normal, re regular independent producers got 35 to 40 cents. Oh, that's a big difference. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I started to make when I left Electra Records, um, which was in 1982. And, and I started producing, you know, independently. Um, yeah. you, you know, I made a living. <laughs> after sure. That. Yeah. You put out some good records, some great records. Still stand the, the test of time. Um, now, before you were producing, you kind of got thrown into the producing role, right? With Ted Nugent. Yeah, I I horned in. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have faith in 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 his producer, who was a a, a you know a, a very nice man, but didn't have a rock and roll head. And um, I knew what Ted wanted, and I got along very well. We never discussed politics i want to make that very clear <laughs> was you know? he was he like that back then too i don't know oh, i don't okay. care <laughs> i don't know where he went off in that direction and i don't know why but you know i mean he knows that i'm a registered democrat <laughs> but we uh maintain contact we did very well together. We got along really well. He's very, he's very nice to me in the press. He he always thanks me for safeguarding his his music, you know. And he taught me a lot about seeing things from another perspective, being a little more understanding of the other side, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, we 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 never we never. Uh, he never talked politics. Yeah, back. that's that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so I, I signed these bands and 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 I I produced them, which was great because I you know I loved them. I wasn't assigned a band. You know, we want you to do this. We don't know what to do with this band. Other labels, when I went independent, would come to me with that kind of project. You know, I, I would imagine they were, you know, they were talking amongst themselves and saying, what the hell are we going to do with this band? And and they would say, oh, give it to Worman. You <laughs> he'll, he, he'll make it gold. Yeah, he can make a, sow's, a silk purse out of a sow's ear, you know. Why why would a label sign a band and not know what to do with it? Why would you they know, go into that like that? It happens that maybe they don't know how inept the band is uh, as musicians. You know, um, maybe it's it's the wrong band for their promotion staff. Uh, I don't know. But but, you know, when Doug Morris, Doug Morris was the president of Atlantic Records and he called me at home and he said, uh, he said, listen, I have a band that it can, uh, you know, that makes noise in Europe, but they can't get arrested in the United States. And I think you're the only guy who can make a hit record with them. So, uh, you know, when, when when the president of a label says something like that, you say, OK, because, you know, it's going to get the full court press. And, and, you know, and and so that's, you know, did it did it work? He it worked. It was Twisted Sister. Oh, OK. You know, and 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 so, um, you, you, you know, you you try to. Uh, <laughs> 
you 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 just try to do your best and and uh that you know that was it and I, I think I, for the most part you had the musicians in the band play their parts right you didn't bring in outsiders no i i brought i i really did not like to bring in ringers i used two session guitarists once for one song each and that was Steve Lukather from Toto. Brilliant. Um, and, and he was on just a ballad, a cheap trick ballad. Um, and then uh, Jay Graydon was on the studio version of I Want You to Want Me, because it was a dance hall song when I did it. Uh, and and it was jazzy, and it had finger snaps and tack piano. And that's the way it was on the demo. And then they completely change it but i would bring in somebody um a specialist uh a cellist i i used a cellist on on one uh cheap trick song and uh i used mickey raphael who was willie nelson's harmonica player on a couple of poison tunes um brett played harmonica he played it pretty well but i think he went out i think they were gone by the time, you know, they would rush out to bands always had a, a, another tour. It, it was really tough uh, for, for, for them. They'd have a big hit record and, and all of a sudden they'd be under pressure to write 12 more great songs. And that story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And finish the record before, you know, the next tour and the next tour was the big, you know, that was the way that everyone made money, the band, the manager, the label, the agency, everything. Yeah. So there was, now you yeah. did um, Stripers Against the Law record, which yeah. I actually like that record. And, you know, it's funny. I saw them on the To Hell with the Devil tour. And then I saw them on that tour against the law tour. And yeah. I got to tell you, totally different band. Just like Robert had his head down on the snare drum between songs. Just, they were just like a, like Motley Crue, you know, it just, it was like night and day. Huh. But yeah, that I, was never, uh, I, I, I don't think I did see them live ever, uh, but they were great to work with. Really, really nice people, cooperative. You know, I was pretty uh, surprised you know that they would call me i'm not exactly a man of god you know uh but they said we don't want to make a a religious record we want to make a secular record and i said yeah okay now on that record um you did bring in a bass player for shining star though right i don't remember Tim didn't play on that you know this better than i do i yeah did I, I think I um I think uh Randy Jackson played it. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was an AR at Columbia for a while too. Wow. I think that's how the story I Tim told me that himself. Really? Why yeah. did he do that? Probably for that, you know, that uh, feel, you know, the uh, from from the original record. Right. Um who was it? I, I'm pretty sure he said it was Randy Jackson. 
No, who? But but I I'm forgetting who did um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Tim lacked the funk element. Um, you know. Yeah, maybe. But that's interesting. You know, those are the kinds of things that I did not remember. There's a lot that I did not remember. Fortunately, I remember enough so that the I could fill the book with interesting stories and observations. But yeah, that's uh, something I haven't considered or thought of in, <laughs> yeah. in, in 40 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to imagine there, a lot of the band uh, musicians from back then and producers like yourself are writing books now. So I got to imagine a lot of that stuff is hard to remember for a lot of them. It, it is. And I'm sure I've I've forgotten much more than I've than I've remembered. Um, I have these uh, snapshots, uh, uh, recollections, uh, and 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 stories, um, the highs and the lows, um, and it was just such a a, a memorable uh, life that that I that I was lucky enough to lead. Uh, the, the change of direction, um, you know, when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, and and I fled to rock and roll from from this horrendous uh, corporate life that w- was designed for me, and 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 that turned me off completely. I was miserable. Yeah, sounds went, like a miserable job in your book. Yeah, when you're well, about it. you know, for some people they loved it, but uh, for me it was I went from hell to heaven overnight, literally overnight. Uh, when Clive hired me. I walked out of his office on on air. You know? <laughs> that changed your life. That letter. Did you do you ever think about what would have happened if you didn't send that letter? No, I I had to get into the music business at that point. I had seen so much great music that I, you know I, I I said there must be a place for me. Uh, in this legitimate business. And that's why I went for CBS Records because they were the top of the heap and the most uh, sophisticated, uh, the most businesslike. Mm-hmm. And I thought they would uh, they would value the MBA and value the fact that I had a job at a, you know, it was a good job, but that I, I was very unhappy and that I was a musician and I had, you know, so you know, I, I, I gave Clive the, the soft sell and fortunately they needed people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. when you were doing A&R, your first band was REO Speedwagon, right? Yeah. About okay. two months after I started. What, um, how'd they get on your radar? Well, uh, Paul Lecca, who was an independent engineer, he had done their, uh, a record at his house in Connecticut, uh, at, at some home studio, he brought in the acetate, uh, played it. And I heard, uh, sophisticated lady and one fifty seven Riverside Avenue and gypsy woman's passion. And I said, wow, these are good. This is a good band. I need to go see them. And I went to see them and they were fantastic. Um, that, that was the first, uh, time I ever, flew away to see a band 
um, you know, having heard uh, the 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 music, normally uh, I would get a demo, mm -hmm. a finished uh, record. And it was great to get a finished record. We simply purchased it, and there it was. And they're, uh, they're still on the road. Well, the band, I don't know, you know, there are two, I think there are possibly two originals left. Kevin is out there, and I don't know if Neil is still there, but 50 years. 50 years. Great career. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever sit back and just just think about how you affected all those people's lives by making their hit records i not yes some some uh, more more of the time i think about the ones that didn't make it mm. and i feel really badly because you know i failed to deliver the kind of record that would have made them rich and famous um, these, you know, they devote their lives to this music and, and, uh, you know, I'm involved for a period of time and I think this stuff is great and it doesn't happen, you know, to the extent that I think it should. The producers and Mother's Finest, two bands from Atlanta that I did in the, in the eighties, killer bands. I, I mean, if you... If you had asked me before I made a, a record on a band that I signed, what what were the best bets? Those two would have been the best bets. I mean, I, I thought they were both absolute home runs. And I felt I feel bad because they, you know, incredible talent and wonderful material, incredible playing. Um just superb in every way. And for some reason, the stars didn't line up. But that's uh, not all on you, though. I mean, that's a lot, lot goes on after that album's made. Absolutely. Like make or break it. And I do blame the label for, for some of that, the, the portrait label, which was a new label at CBS. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, I, I felt, I feel badly about them i i i feel really good uh, about the big hits and, and and about the the wonderful lives that these uh, musicians had uh partly because of of the work that i did uh but but then again many of them you know have changed their tune over the last 30 years and they and and I always like to say they you know they love you and, and when 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 they're selling millions of records, twenty years later you sucked, you yeah. just you just didn't pay attention you didn't get their sound you weren't you know you were on the phone a lot it's it's major historical revision so the ones that should be grateful most of the time aren't that grateful. Have you ever ran into any of the ones that that say you didn't do a good job? Like after they've said that, and I don't want to. Okay. You know, I don't want. I don't really want to want to see. Uh, you know, D. Snyder. Uh, you know, or uh, you know, even Nikki and I had had uh, uh, words um, because uh, he said stuff in the Heroin Diaries that was just absurd, and and I wrote a letter to the New York Times book review which actually reviewed his book. 
was unbelievable. And I said, look, I'm sorry. This is fiction. I was there. This is not, this is not happening. And uh, he was pissed. So we had a, we had a thing in the, uh, you know, in, in, in online. Uh, the online world. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Motley. I know you've talked about them a lot, but I mean, how were they working in the studio with you? Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Their outrageous behavior that everybody uh, seems to know about um, was out of the, outside of the studio, really. Um, I never saw either, I never saw any member of that band under the influence of anything. I, I saw them uh, uh, take drugs and drink, and we all did. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it never seemed to affect their performance. They were pretty pro- professional in a studio. They were fairly professional. And, uh, you know, Vince liked to, he, he put in his hours. He, he worked really hard, but he did, he he would stay out till 4 a.m., you know, when he knew he had to sing the next day. Mm. Uh, was it hard know, to get a good take from him? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, Vince was not the kind of guy who would say, girls, you know, it's it's midnight and um, I've got to sing tomorrow, so I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> he, he didn't do that. It was great. Uh, uh, you know, he, he had a wonderful attitude uh, toward life in general, but uh, that was tough. However, you know, he never came in drunk or under the influence. Um, th- th- they were fairly focused, really. And uh, and I was grateful for that. I mean, Nikki um, had to do uh, all the bass parts to shout at the devil with his arm in a sling because he ran his car into a utility pole. Yeah. Um, but but other than that, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And they kept you around for three records. That's a long time, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I did five with Ted. I did three with Cheap Trick, but when they complain, you know, you, you, the producer is simply a hired hand. They they hire you with uh, with the the advance they get from the record company, and uh, they can fire you. Um, and so, they don't have to rehire you. No, no. So I I I I do find it uh, curious that. Uh, they complain when they uh, kept me around for three records. You know, Jimmy Iovine once said, um, after three records, you should shoot your producer. And, and I think is is plenty. I, I don't see any reason why uh, there's anything wrong with a band changing producers after three records. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a, a routine there are things that I liked to do that I learned that worked in the studio. And I would, you know, mm-hmm. can that be dangerous? Yeah. Well, there, a routine. Yeah. Because then you, uh, you don't, um, you know, help the band uh, come across you, 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 you do your own thing. And, and, you know, it's like, it's like a bad Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, 
uh, he had an absolutely recognizable sound. You know, you said, oh, that's a Phil Spector record. I hear, you know, I hear the wall of sound. In his case, it was great. You know, in in other cases like like mine, it could have been it could have been bad. Um, I, I stopped working with Ted after five records because I felt that neither of us uh, was was into anything new at that point mm-hmm. in terms of making Ted Nugent records. I mean, his songs were fairly the same. You know, there wasn't any big musical growth like the Beatles had from album to album. And my uh, working with him, you know, I couldn't figure out any new way to 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 make him evolve. Sure. So I, so I stopped. Um, I did five with Molly Hatchet. And, and the, uh, I think, I, you know, that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Now Motley uh, changed with the times, though, with yeah. with their image and their sound. I think, like from Shout to Theater of Pain, and then to Girls yeah. Girls Girls. Yeah, uh, Girls was slicker. Um, it I had, didn't like that record. You, you didn't like it. I didn't like that one. No, Sorry. I lo- I love <laughs> love Girls 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 the cut, and especially Wild Side. Wild Side was good. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah killer um but and you, you probably think i'm weird but i think theater of pain was probably my favorite that's that is weird <laughs> a lot of people don't like it i seem to like the records nobody likes yeah like well, rat i like dancing undercover nobody liked that record <laughs> acdc i like flick of the switch nobody liked that record no you don't like back in black i like flick of the switch better yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> i'm weird i don't know yeah but, no that's that's good that's that's discerning listening yeah not yeah. going with the crowd um poison you did yeah. now th- this was a little different i think because they already had a successful record when you got them right whereas a lot of the other artists you got fresh right so well, was that different producing a band that already had a little bit of a momentum going um well, yeah, Motley did too in a, in a smaller way. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, all the others that I had that I did in the '80s really had a a bit of a you know of a base. Um, the Poison record was a big surprise for their label. Um, they kind of came out of nowhere, and the uh, the the fans uh, really um, came through. You know, the, the, the label didn't know that that they had that many fans. Um, they were a winning combination, and we, I, I did that record. It wasn't easy. Um, they, but they were they were good. They were hard workers. Cece was a little distracted, but but after you know after it was all over, we had we had three top ten singles and one number twelve which was astonishing. I've never, never had a, a, anything like that. It, it, it was a huge, a huge album. And, um, your first number, your only number one, right? A single. Yeah. 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 I, I wanted to, um, uh, yeah. Girls, girls, girls album was number two, mm-hmm. um, right behind Whitney Houston. Um, uh, but 
but no, that was the that was the only number one uh, every rose, and it was uh, that, that that was fun to produce. That's now you you said in your book too about you you something about you couldn't recognize a hit, right? It was hard for you to recognize a hit. Did you every rose? Did you know that was going to be a hit? Immediately, you recognize that one. Immediately, yeah. But but, but when it came to um, you know for the first five years, really at at Epic in in New York. I would just simply have cartons and cartons of, of reel-to-reel tapes and cassettes uh, of, of bands that wanted to get signed. And I would listen to a song and just not really uh, be able to evaluate it until I had heard it two or three times. And then it would become more obviously good or obviously bad. It's it, it it's kind of like a movie. You, you you can see a movie, and somebody will say, "What do you think?" And 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 you know, it's your opinion, but mm-hmm. only your opinion. I I don't like I don't I don't listen to critics, or you know, or 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 read critics. Uh, I wish I I could um, because they make your life easier and they help you to avoid crap, but. I was always, you know, I, I was in the beginning, I was always unsure. Yeah. So I had to listen again and again and again. Um, when when he played <clears throat> Every Rose in, in rehearsal, he just strummed my guitar and he sang it. And I said, oh boy, <laughs> you know, this we have we have a yeah. single. And and I thought it was a really nice country song. Uh, I think Miley Cyrus covered it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, somebody, somebody rather countryish. Um, but yes, that that I recognized right away. And girls, 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 that I recognized right away. Who was easier to work with, Vince or Brett, singing wise? Oh, Brett. Yeah. You know, not because Vince was uncooperative, but. You know, I, I think Brett was, you know, more capable in 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 terms of pitch, and, you know, and and delivery, and it helps when you uh, write the song. Yeah, yeah, because Vince didn't write those, right? He did. Nikki wrote the lyrics and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote he and Tommy pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How about Cece? Was he? difficult guitar playing wise because i mean he was never known as the best guitar player back then you know he's no, always he was known there. a little bit of sloppiness and a little bit you know he was reckless mm-hmm. a, a little bit reckless in in his uh velocity and you know his shredding but um you know he was distracted and 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 uh handicapped by his recreational drug use at that time. So, uh, you know, we would we would spend 30 or 40 minutes on a, on a, a, a solo. And then he'd go to the bathroom and he'd come back and he'd say, I don't like it at all. Let's start again. And, and that went on for, for, for many days. Um, but the end result, he sounds pretty good, I think. Did he um, did he write his leads or did he go in and just kind of throw down and see what happens. Oh, I think he planned them. He didn't plan them like Mick Mars planned his. Oh, he Mick, had dialed in. 
Nick was ast- astonishing. Uh-huh. And he would come in absolutely prepared. He we just we just zipped through uh through his guitar work. Um CC took took more time. He was a little more free form. Okay. Okay. Talk about um another band you produced, Kicks. Yeah. I I thought Kicks, especially that Blow My Fuse record, was a great record. And they didn't really get to the level I thought they should have been at. Right. They were heavily ACDC influenced. Mm-hmm. Very heavy. What do you think was holding them back from getting to that next level? I, you know, I, I really don't know. They 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 were very good live. Yeah. Very and 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 I thought they were very good, you know, in the in the studio too. And Steve was a great singer and and, and Brian was great guitarist. I don't know. You like Donnie Purnell's bass playing? I thought the whole record was I yeah. thought they were a great band, yeah. They were. They were. Um and I think they went out recently. I think they went out the correct way with which their retirement. Way? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, no nobody seems to want to retire anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they said this is it and I think yeah. I believe them. Yeah, well, a lot of others. We were we believed Motley Crue too when they when they called the press conference and signed a contract. But did we though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Kiss. Is this really going to be the last show? Yeah, <laughs> I know Doc. Doc is still going out with Kiss. Amazing. Yeah, Doc McGee. Uh, you know, I I talk to him occasionally and. He's, you know, oh, I just got back from Brazil with Kiss. I just got back from Argentina. With, you know, it's it's just out there. That's got to yeah. be hard now. Yeah. Traveling all. <laughs> I don't it, mean that it, in a bad it, way, but you know, things get harder. Yeah, that's why I'm fully retired and blissed out here in the country. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'd ever um, do something again? Like if someone said, "Hey, Tom, you want to check this out?" You don't think if Dave Grohl did. I would do it. That's it. You would do it. A Foo Fighters. That's the only one. That would be awesome. And he he doesn't need a producer either. <laughs> well, maybe you can just go in there and help a little bit and be producing the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I would just like to sit in the control room, uh, yeah. you know, with him. He's he is the the uh, embodiment of rock and roll. I just think he's great. Yeah. Now the last thing you did was the Rockstar soundtrack. Is that correct? Yeah which was a great soundtrack. Now, did you put the yeah. band together? I mean, what what was your involvement there? I mean, what happened? Well, I didn't put the uh the the, the tribute band together. The the band called Blood Pollution. Right, uh, right. But but um I did get Jeff Pilson from Dawkins, you know, for for the the big band and and uh I I did not get Zach Wilde and Jason Bonham. Um, I don't know how they came to be, but um, Pilsen was the uh, the control factor, in, in, you know, in in that big uh, in that band. Um, what was their name? Steel Dragon. But Steel Dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> this is Perfect what metal name. What happens when you get to be 79? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, although the producer's role in a film is 
very subservient to to everybody else. You just sit in the studio and wait. And they'll call you and say, we need this, we need that. And, and, and you have to chop things up and re-record. And, and, and they'll, they'll send a song into the studio. You have to record it and mix it in 24 hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. I used to think that uh, a, being a, a good record producer was difficult. But when I saw what a movie director does, I was just astonished. I mean, you know, he's got hundreds of people that that he that he has to delegate to and coordinate. And, you know, why? Why was Jeff the guy for the bass player? Why would you pick him? He was a good bass player Mm -hmm. and he was he was responsible, straight, diligent, good, uh, good natured and cooperative. So you knew you could count on him. a, A very together person. Mm-hmm. And, and and he played that role in in Dawkin too. Um, I just uh, I knew I would have to have someone to keep the peace b- between Jason and Zach, and and and, and I was right. You know, <laughs> they did Jason get along. And Zach, they were they were like you know, what is it? Water and oil. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Zach Jason, doesn't seem like the guy I'd want to get on his bad side. No, you definitely <laughs> don't. You definitely don't. Um, and uh, Jason once said to me, w- w- I don't know, he had done something outrageous. And he said, you, you know, look, after all, I have a reputation to uphold, you know, with, you know, it was John Bonham's son. He's He's got to be nuts. He's got to be extreme, you know, and, and, and he, and he was, and Zach was, but, but uh, I like the. I'm not wild about the um, the songs necessarily, uh, but I think the performances were really good. <laughs> you know? did, did you choose uh, Steelheart singer? What's his name? Michael. Mike Matievich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you choose him? Yes, I I did, and and um, well, Jeff Jeff Scott Soto. Scott Soto. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, look at this. <laughs> um yeah because both of them had ultra high uh voices uh-huh. and uh i you know i needed that i needed that um so uh we had we had a a very good time the hardest thing was for me to do a really good job with steel dragon and then purposefully or purposely make a uh, blood pollution sound okay, but not quite as good. You know? How did you so, approach that? Well, you know, you would, you would, you wouldn't drive them as hard. You wouldn't be as careful. Um, you would allow a few mistakes. You would, you know, it, it just was uh, your standard, my standards uh, of acceptance were, were lower when mm-hmm. we did the same song with with blood pollution <laughs> you know it's really a shame about the movie because i uh, i think it was one one week before 911 how was it, it? it i didn't realize it that came out. yeah it, it was either one week it it wouldn't have been after yeah it came out a week before 911 and and that was it and I mean, nobody mm-hmm. ever heard it. It, 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 did, it did well, I was told, 
uh, in video. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it. I like the movie. Yeah, it was, I think it was good. Yeah. And then recently, a few years ago, you decided to sell your catalog, correct? Yes. Uh, my what, royalties. Yeah. Yeah. What, why, why did you want to do that? Well, it's, it's strictly economic. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have gone on and, 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 uh, and gotten annual income from, uh, more streaming every year. And, and, and that would have been fine. You know, I, I, I lived well, uh, and, and, and still do, but, um, they offered me a, a, a lump sum that was equal to 15 years of my average annual royalty at that time. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the formula was the last three years average of your royalty income times a certain multiple. Hmm. And, and 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 the way mine worked was, uh, you know, I did some quick calculating and and I said, well, at this rate, I would, you know, it would take 15 years for me to make what they're offering me. So you take what they're offering you or what they give you and hopefully you can live off it by, you know, by by uh, investing it and and having it make. A, you know, a modest amount, 4% a year. It, 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 it's fine. It's fine. So, so I'm trying to see how it benefits them so much. So they got to go 15 years to get just their money back. Is that they, kind of what they you're saying? Research. These companies are not dumb right. and, and they do a lot of research uh, in the beginning, which was three or four years ago. I said to I said to myself and 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 to my wife I said I don't see how they'll ever make this money back right and, and now I now I'm beginning to see okay. because this they projected streaming revenue it's just um it, it's it's phenomenal because anybody with access to the internet anywhere on on earth can listen to anything at any time, you know? and and they do. And the billions of uh, you know of of, of uh, streams really add up. So it it gets it gets a little bigger every year. And I'm I'm just stunned at how uh, many of the albums I did uh, keep selling and selling and selling. And I think they always will. And they and they and they actually increased. Uh, my royalty income was declining until about 2010, and and then it bottomed out and 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 started up again. Hmm. And and uh, I think it would. I don't see any statements anymore. I'm not allowed to. Right. You know, all the statements go to the company that bought my royalties. Uh, uh, but I'm. Yeah. They're not stupid. They they sure. didn't say, "Oh, what did we do?" Uh, yeah, I, know. Th I think Nikki sold his rights too, right? To to create some, stuff. Some, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the money that that there was a there was a real rush to do this a, a few years ago. I don't think it's happening now. Uh, I'm not you sure. Mean why. People selling their rights. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were hundreds of millions, mm. hundreds of millions, and Springsteen got 
half a billion or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Stevie Nicks got a hundred million, and Dylan got three hundred million, and it was nuts. Yeah. I did not get that much. <laughs> to make that clear, <laughs> you know. So I mean, it, it was something. It was a gift. It was yeah. something that I had never imagined. And I got a call from a lawyer who said, I can get you this. And and, and I said, sold. Great. And then I sold the the farm and, and we moved up the street and renovated. And I'm del- I'm just delighted with my life. At, at You're happy. Point. Yeah, Good. very. Very Good. and Good. and I'm thrilled about the book. It's you know, it's it it it, it I never imagined that I could get a book published. It's nice. I know. It, and it's a real book, too. Look. look yeah. Real pages. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Tom, your book, Turn It Up, Great Read, is available. Is the best place to get it? Amazon? Probably if 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 there's not a bookstore near you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, anything online, you know. It's mm-hmm. uh it's high on the Amazon category chart uh, that says music and sound recording nice so you got records charted and now a book that's starting yeah yeah do you still have any of your platinum albums or gold records um some uh people ask where they are they're in a closet in Um, a closet you don't hang them up you don't you're just done yeah well it's not that i don't want i i just think it's tacky come into my house see what i did you know uh, no it's something to be proud of though it it, it is but you know the the book can the book can stand in 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 their place um yeah i I mean i have i i it would be overwhelming (laughs) it really would i mean how how can you put 23 gold and platinum records in one room (laughs) that would be come on i mean really (laughs) <laughs> you'd go blind from the light bouncing off them exactly <laughs> all right tom well man it's been a pleasure i really enjoyed it thank you so much for joining me hey thank you it was very uh very interesting and, and fun. <laughs> awesome buddy all okay. right